Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this is a mini-sode, and this is our second book club, um, and we are reading one to watch. I'm, I keep putting it up like I'm fucking Jay Leno or something. We could start doing the, like, cute thing that real podcasts do. I know you put it like, it, like it's how Jimmy Fallon always has, like, the album. Yeah. Um, we could start doing the cute thing that real podcasts do and put up a YouTube channel. I don't mm. want to do that, but I don't want. I don't want to do that. Anyway, we're we are talking about one to watch by Kate Stamen London, um, and this we're going to do three episodes. So this episode is the first third um, through episode three. The premise, episode one, the book is broken up into episodes. So we correct. are reading through our episode one is reading through episode three. Is that correct. confusing enough for y'all? Right. Because the book is based on a bachelor style show. So um, that's why it's broken up into episodes. And it is about a plus size fashion blogger named B who is the lead on a season of what's called the main squeeze, which is essentially the bachelor. And we'll talk about all the sort of bachelor fanfic that goes on. Um, and what that would be like for a plus size woman to be on that kind of show and be part of a narrative where she is seen as sexy and desirable and worthy of a bachelor like fairy tale. We were talking a little bit off mic or before we started recording about why we picked this book and our own journeys with body size and body image and that kind of thing. Um, and I think just sort of like in the interest of transparency and intimacy and vulnerability, we're going to be very like upfront with you all about where we are in our journeys. I could, my therapist, I could feel her being like, yes, intimacy and transparency. <laughs> My therapist recently told me she was going to stop laughing at my jokes because she felt that that encouraged. I know. Carrie just made a face. She felt that that encouraged me to uh, make a joke when I'm uncomfortable instead of just talking about my feelings. And I was like, I see what you're doing, but also that hurts me deeper than I could ever express. I mean, it's like you're like a cocaine addict. And she was like, I'm going to stop buying you cocaine. Yeah. I mean, is it the right choice for her as my therapist to make? Yes. But what was I like? But I, that's my old, my only worth is when I make jokes. And she was like, that's why we're doing this. Anyway, so intimacy, transparency, and vulnerability. She's loving it, Carrie. First off, I wanted to talk about the vocabulary that we're going to use. So the main character in One to Watch B is a fashion blogger. She is like a fairly successful, fairly well-known plus-size fashion blogger. And so I think in the context of fashion and fashion blogging and that kind of thing, we're going to talk about plus size because fashion result revolves around sizes. And I think that's kind of a fairly accepted term in the, in the fashion world is to, is to use the word plus size. I think, and otherwise we probably will use the word fat and large um, because I think the body positivity movement and when I, I Side note, when we talk about the body positivity movement, we are not talking about um, straight size, thin, conventionally attractive women talking about body positivity and body acceptance. And that is not to say that those women don't struggle, which like we will address, like all people 
to some extent struggle with body acceptance and body image. But when we're talking about the body positivity moment movement, we are talking about a social justice political movement started by largely women of color and queer women to that is not just about body acceptance, like our own self-image and our own body acceptance, but about societal acceptance of large bodies and um, in all of the systems that we talk about when we talk about social justice movements. So the healthcare system and the educational system and the criminal justice system and all of those things. And so the body positivity movement, um, like capital B, capital P, capital M movement, um, uses the word fat because from their perspective, it is not a bad word. There is no negative connotation to fat, except that society has assigned it a negative or a harmful connotation. And it does not have that at the heart of it. It is just a description word like tall or short or brown haired or blue eyed, you know, those kinds of things. Um, And I want us to stray away from using the word overweight because that word does have, because when you say something is over versus under, then there is a right and a wrong and there's a moral component um, that we do not want to assign to weight. As sort of a companion piece to one to watch, we will be primarily talking about this rom-com novel that is fun and funny and goofy and is a rom-com, but sort of as a companion piece, I am also reading what we don't, I'm holding it up because we're Jay Leno, what we don't talk about when we talk about Fat by Aubrey Gordon, um, which is not a novel. It's a, a sort of like science-based, it's written by a fat woman and it's like a science-based factual. It's like half her own experiences and half like statistics and numbers about the mistreatment of people in larger bodies. Um, and that, so like, it's more directly about the uh, body positivity movement and sort of like an- addressing anti-fat bias in the world. Um, mm-hmm. So that we may also reference that book and that's what we're talking about. Yeah. When we like, I basically wanted to read, so like Carrie said, we're going to tell you our own body journeys, which is something I love talking about. Um, because I am, I have always been a thin woman. Um, I think it's helpful for who like sort of found the body positivity movement through like thin white women, like sitting hunched to show that they also have roles, which like isn't really the body positivity movement as we're going to talk about it. Um, but that was sort of, that's sort of who I am. I am thin and white and have always been thin, but I also, um, have a chronic, I have type one diabetes, which is a rife with body image shit and rife with weight stigma, diabetes treatment, um, and on its own. And as a result of also have suffered from disordered eating for most of my teen and adult life. Um, but I also, but I am a very privileged person and I'm also a very thin person. Like at my heaviest, I would still have been considered. I thought I was the ugliest person in the world at my heaviest, but I also at the same time was still thin. I was not never anything that crossed over into actual plus size. Mm -hmm. Um, But so in order for me to sort of expand my understanding, I think it's helpful to read this book. Um, to understand the ways in which I have never been 
discriminated against because of my size. Um, And it's also like, now I'm rambling, but I think like part of what you have to, everyone, but particularly thin women, I think part of what we have to address when addressing our own um, body image issue or disordered eating is to address why it is we are afraid to gain weight, to be thought of as fat or to be treated like we're fat. And so I think in order to like truly do that, you have to um, address your own anti-fat bias. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think it's helpful for me to read Aubrey Gordon's books to sort of learn a firsthand account of someone's like living their entire life as a fat woman who's been perpetually on a diet and perpetually treated in really terrible ways. Um, That helps me sort of address my own, like, why am I afraid of gaining weight? or not being thought mm-hmm. of in a particular way. And so that's why I think it's important for me to, as we also read this book, which sort of addresses it. One of the things, and we'll get into this, but one of the things that's nice about the book is she's sort of addressing all like personal stories of what this main character is going through while also just like, while also just like telling a rom-com. I, um, I'm also going to read what we don't talk about when we talk about fat, which is about Aubrey Gordon, who she's the creator and, like her social media is um, your fat friend and we'll link to all her social media. She is a fantastic follow if you're not already following her um, because she's doing a lot of the emotional labor around fat phobia and weight stigma and the body positivity movement and all of that. Um, and so she has been really crucial to my own journey. Um, I, think I would characterize myself as mid-size. Um, I have always been a little larger than my peers, um, but I've never been truly like plus size until recently, until postpartum. Um, and maybe a little bit like in my fertility journey. Um, what- so you carried around two babies in your body. Right. And I, and that's so that I, um, I believe very deeply in, um, you know, health at every size and the body positivity movement and reducing weight stigma and um, anti-diet culture. I, I, that is something like I will evangelize, evangelize about. Evangelize, um, you nailed it. Um, but that is not to say that my journey with my own weight and acceptance is complete, um, particularly because, um, you know, postpartum, your body looks very different than it did prepartum. Um, is that a word? Is that a phrase? Um, Partum's a word. Postpartum. If you can be overwhelmed and you can be underwhelmed, can you ever just be whelmed? Yeah, exactly. I think prepartum um, is a word is what I'm saying. So anyway, <laughs> so I think um I probably fall in like the what what is called considered mid-size which is I think kind of like the the 16 to to 20-ish range the 14 to 20-ish range if we're talking about sizes um maybe a little more than that um so anyway um that's kind of where I am at and I have another confession, which is that I finished this book in two days. I <laughs> You're such a cheater. 
<laughs> we were supposed to read through episode three and episode three is like kind of a cliffhanger not really but like sort of a cliffhanger and I was like oh my god I gotta read more and then and then I finished the book um which I think should tell you how I feel about this book Carrie was also she texted me to be like I finished the book but I'll keep it spoiler free and then I saw her last night and she didn't keep it spoiler free so also sometimes I like to flip ahead and see things so I made mostly spoiler free because like (laughs) the premise of this book is a woman uh, who's like essentially the bachelorette. She's the main squeeze, but she's essentially the bachelorette. Right. And so there isn't sort of, at least in the first, mm, sort of towards the end of the first chunk of that we read, you sort of, the the man who is going to be her real love interest emerges. But Correct. before that, there's like 25 men and also like the her best friend who she's in love with, who if he ends up being the main love interest and burning the book but based on your reaction i don't think he is so (laughs) the book starts with a woman who is actually it starts with like a cute little um like prologue of her in paris when like a woman in Mm -hmm. paris like finally dressed her in clothes that made her feel like beautiful and like why she became a fashion blogger um and then we jump ahead in time and her best friend who is a man comes to visit and she's always been in love with him but now he's engaged to another woman but they end up sleeping together and then he basically like ghosts her and so like she and then she and her like other best friend her like female best friend um are watching main squeeze and she gets drunk and drunkenly tweets about it and i like absolutely love the narrative of like what you do drunk on twitter leading to something great in your life because that's my dream (laughs) 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 um i almost went on a drunken twitter rant um about the demi lovato froyo uh situation because as a person with a chronic illness and i don't think anyone's addressed it i don't think either side is addressing it correctly anyway that's a different uh that's a different podcast but um so anyway she and then like the new producer of main squeeze um who has pushed out the old producer who carrie has convinced has told me is a uh basically ripped from the headlines from an actual bachelor producer he's been fired he's been ousted and this woman's taking over and she wants B to be the next main squeeze. Um, and I feel a lot of ways about it. I think the way I would if there was an actual plus size bachelorette. Yes. In terms of the producers or like the characters, there's a couple of characters where Kate Sam and London has like kind of changed the names, but not really. It's clear, it is clear reading this book that Kate Sam and London is a bachelor fan. She is deeply like embedded in bachelor world she understands sort of the ins and outs and the jokes and there's a there's some really funny moments that are that if you like I took a picture of one passage and sent it to my two friends that I taught like talk about the bachelor with because it was so funny if you're a bachelor watcher so there's so the producer who's been ousted is his name is Micah Faust which if you're a Bachelor insider, you know that Mike Fleiss is the executive producer of The Bachelor, and he is muy problematic. And yeah, I'm not really a Bachelor insider. We don't like him, right? Bad news um, No, Mike Fleiss is um, – I, I really don't know all that much about it, except, like, the rumors are is that he is um, – an asshole and a misogynist and allegedly allegedly. Um, a, a misogynist was the main producer of the bachelor carry yes um 
No, but it's such a feminist masterpiece. So he's an asshole, allegedly. And um, so the Micah Faust stand-in for Mike Fleiss has been ousted in this world. And there is now a female showrunner, executive producer, um, and she is wanting to change things up, which is why she makes B the lead. Um, we also get a reality Stefan um, reference, which is very clearly reality Steve. Um, we de- The host, though, is not Chris Harrison. We've completely changed the host, um, which is I thought was kind of interesting. I was He's waiting just like for a washed like, up child star who's had too much Botox. Yeah, basically. I was waiting it for it to, to be like Calvin, like Houston or something instead of Chris Harris, you know, like whatever. But anyway, Who's the to catch a um, it was guy? Not. Chris Harding, Chris, Chris. There's a TV writer named Chris Harris who I worked for. He's a lovely man, so let's keep him out of this narrative. But yeah. then there's Chris Harrison, which is The Bachelor, and then Chris Hansen is to catch a predator. Right. And then isn't there like a shitty late night host whose name is like Chad Harding, Chris? Hardwick. Chris Hardwick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like just but so like any of those names could have been the host, but the host name is Johnny. Yes. Um so anyway, she convinces B to be on this show and be mm-hmm. the lead because she will jumpstart her career, but also she'll be able to like represent a different kind of woman who's never been represented by the batch by the main squeeze before, which like A is good, but also like then you it's like it reminds me a lot of when rachel Lindsay became the bachelorette Mm -hmm. which was like this is really great because we're finally gonna have like not entirely white people but also it meant that they hired a bunch they like cast a bunch of racists to be your suitors it's like oh so like yeah we're representing you but then we're also gonna like intentionally bring in people who will like inflict terrible behavior and inflict trauma on you for ratings which is prevalent here well, or this past season, which I barely watched, but this past season was the first Black Bachelor um, with Matt James. And, like, the woman he chose is a fucking racist. Like, they let, like, the lead, the front runner, like, the racist girl continue to be the front runner. And then he chose her, like, not knowing the whole backstory. Um, so I, I do not trust The Bachelor ever to handle, like a sensitive issues sensitively right any sensitive issues and i would never trust them to handle like a plus size woman as the lead i one of my notes was like this is really fun to read and i'm like loving this as a book but i would not wish this on any woman like i I would not wish any fat woman to be the lead of the bachelor because or bachelorette because god the like fucking like harassment and vitriol that she would have to deal with I heard an interview with Roxanne Gay. I think it was on Bitch Sush. <laughs> and they were talking, and Roxanne Gay was basically like, there's not enough. They were talking about like how there isn't enough like body diversity in Real Housewives. And then Roxanne Gay said the same thing. She was like, that's right. But I also like would never want a fat woman to be around these women because they treat her like absolutely terribly. Like one of the things I am most mm-hmm. worried about in the upcoming season of Real Houses of New York is that they like finally have a black woman on Real Houses of New York. And I'm like, this is great, except like Ramona's gonna say something racist in the first 12 seconds. Like mm-hmm. this is this is gonna be like yay representation, but also like maybe you should have like gotten rid of the blatantly racist woman before. Right. Well, and there's an inherent <laughs> conflict of interest, which like is talked about in this because so the producer Lauren is 
<clears throat> like a main character um and she has you know repeatedly says to be like i will protect you but also like i have to make good television and so there's an inherent conflict like that producers need want and need to make good television but then that means that they are setting up people in vulnerable populations to suffer like harassment and trauma at the hands of other other cast members audience like i mean even you know again not to like keep going back to her but caitlin bristow has talked about that you know caitlin bristow is a thin white straight conventionally attractive woman but she decided to be a little bit sex positive on her season and the shit she had to deal with was insane like the things people were saying to her on social media and like sending to her dms was awful like awful 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 stuff and rachel Lindsay, like you said the first black bachelorette she she like basically had to leave social media and you know as did ashley spivey another like white conve- you know straight spivey is how i heard about this book so shout out ashley spivey yeah um but like she's kind of like had to distance herself because like there's just a there's a real toxicity in that well and fan base because, because and like i think this book sort of addresses that like there's toxicity in like they're not trying to make lauren a hero character i wrote down at one point i was like i don't trust her <laughs> like no. um and like she seems perfectly nice and she's doing her job but like also i don't trust her um and carrie's right like she openly says like i have to make good tv and i'm also like right so you're not actually you're not on the side of this like reality tv producers are not actually the friends of the reality stars they're producing they have to manipulate them in some way and when she goes on when b goes on her first like group date it's like thing after thing after thing of men being like true there's like two dudes who keep making like whale watching jokes because they're on a yacht and then there's this guy who like she's supposed to give the first kiss to instead everything's kisses instead of roses because we're only minorly changing things and he basically just like completely fetishizes her and says something really creepy about like wanting to get lost in her big body and it's just like and b is a very good character because she's like it's very fetishizing yeah yes he's very fetishizing and b's sort of like calling this stuff out but then you also get to see and hear her in a monologue of like how horrible it makes her feel and lauren's like this is great you know you're like you're like sending this message they're seeing this like confident woman not put up with shit and it's like yeah that is great but also like then she has to deal with all those horrible things said to and about her like Mm -hmm. in order for you to get your like message across for this for you to appear like progressive or whatever you have to harm an actual real life person (laughs) right there's also like an interesting dynamic between lauren and b because lauren is a thin woman and so like on the first group date they're on a yacht and they put b in a bikini and b says like i i'm not gonna do this like i do not want to be in a bikini and it's not because i like am necessarily uncomfortable with being in a bikini but i am uncomfortable with doing it on national television where then i'm gonna get all this vitriol and she and she says like she puts up she because she's a fashion blogger she'll put up like she'll like do bikini modeling on her instagram or whatever but like she gets to control the image whereas on tv which is sort of like a metaphor for the whole thing like on a tv show like you can press freeze at any moment like and then you can make a gif of and that's true of like anyone going on tv you're gonna like at one point pause and get an unflattering angle but let alone someone whose body is subject to like cruelty she's just like no i can i can put on a bikini when i can control it 
I do not want you to put a chosen bikini on me so that you can control it. You know? Yeah. And and so there's an interesting like thin privilege dynamic. And she says like she wishes she could help Lauren see like how hard she's had to fight to maintain control over her body and her image. Um, which I thought I think is interesting. It's an interesting way to get that dynamic in there and sort of illustrate that thin privilege. Um, and I also agree the first group date is a nice way that we get like all the various ways that people treat fat people. So we have like the people who are just outrightly awful. We have the, the guy who fetishizes her as a fat woman. And then the guy who's like, who's a trainer and is like, I could do so much to help you. Like I could show you like your journey would be so profound. Like I can help you. We can do all of these things to like help you lose weight. And it's very like seeped in diet. No, and help you get healthy. And then she's like, what are my, what's my blood sugar? What's my cholesterol? What's my blah, 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 blah. And he's like, he's like, I don't know. And she was like, well, then how do you know I'm not healthy? I, so to Aubrey Gordon, I, I, if this is mentioned in the book, I haven't got in Aubrey Gordon's book. I haven't gotten to that part yet, but I, on her own podcast called maintenance phase, um, she talked once about how, because of her size, a doctor just like automatically put her on cholesterol lowering meds. And then, and I'm pretty sure I'm remembering this correctly as her story, but if I'm not, and it was actually like, she's telling the story of someone else, then I'm sorry. Um, but I think this was a story about herself the doctor like put her on cholesterol lowering meds and then like years later or however longer later when she went to a different like more health at every size doctor they did her blood work and they were like your cholesterol is like dangerously low like why were you put on this medicine and she was like i don't know the last doctor just did it because i guess they'll just like put fat people on cholesterol lowering meds without like looking at their numbers because they assume their cholesterol is high so in like Aubrey Gordon's case who probably had like normal cholesterol it then like lowered it because no one ever did blood work. Because when you see, you just like assume unhealth on people. And so I thought like, that was an interesting, like to have this mm-hmm. dumbass trainer who like, you don't have to have any sort of level of like nutritional or scientific schooling to become like a fitness trainer to be like, we can make you healthy if I can just make you thin. Right. I really love also like the way the like narrative devices that are used in this book because we get bees we get things like directly from bees perspective but then like after the show starts we get like fake tweets so we're seeing the audience reaction we're getting like the transcript of a podcast that's talking about it um the like slack channel chat between um like a bachelor bracket friend group yeah so it's fun because they're kind of like they're showing us bees but then they're bees experience but then we're also getting the like audience interaction um which is kind of fun to see it's it it flips back and forth between the various um devices which is is you get like fake way. um like think pieces from various like publications mm-hmm. and some oh, of them yeah. are like we get some like blogs and stuff. There's a part in the book where um she's talking so there's one like non-conventionally attractive man like she asked she like specifically asked for diversity and lauren's like i gave you more like not men of color than ever before like there's a couple black guys there's a couple asian guys but it's also like still mostly like hot white guys and b was like yeah but also like it's all the same like except for being like slightly more racially diverse it's all the same as it would ever be but then there's one 
um, like chubby bearded ginger guy who I underlined and I was like, this mm-hmm. is who I pick. Like that sounds that's my type. Um, and they're like <laughs> having a normal conversation and he asks her what her favorite food is. And she like, she like starts to answer because the answer is like Thai food, burgers, chocolate cake. And then realizes if like, she can't answer like that. Cause then she'll get a bunch of like, you then you deserve to be like this because you don't eat healthy blah 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 and so like starts to talk about like produce or whatever like what's the acceptable answer for a fat woman to say and I was like this is that device that happens in rom-coms all the time where like Kate Hudson is seen like downing a burger and she's the cool girl but if anyone over a size eight was seen downing a burger and be like oh why are you eating so unhealthy (laughs) there's also like there it's kind of fun because we get because it's on a bachelor show like there's so many guys and like you said we don't really start to see like who her love interests interest or interests are going to be until kind of near the end of the this first chunk that we've read so I'm like trying to guess like at one point I was like is it going to be because she has like a nice interaction with like a sound guy and I was like ooh, is it going to be like true um I was I it reminded me of do you remember that like ABC family original movie with like Jason Priestley and Bradley Cooper called I want to marry Ryan Banks yes um I do remember that where she goes on Jason Priestley's like a washed up like soap star or something so he does like a bachelor style show and and the girl the main girl goes on it and she played by Emma Caulfield from Buffy fame um she falls in love with his manager who is Bradley Cooper um so I was like are we doing like an like an I want to marry Ryan Banks thing here is that what's happening I have a win date with Hannah Hamilton type thing yeah but then we (gasps) never see the sound guy again (laughs) so like he's like has one scene and then he's like not spoiler alert Carrie I didn't know that we never saw him again because I only read the first third of the book Allison he shows up on page like 90 and then we read 60 more pages after that and you didn't ever see him again like but there's like three so there's like all Um, these terrible these various levels of terrible guys and then there's like you there's like one guy who like sees her and fully walks away and then it's like and at the basically when they're like first making their entrances and then lauren's like no i told him to do that and it's like okay it's again it's like okay lauren but you have like a real human being's emotions and you (laughs) had a man come out take one look at her and walk away (laughs) like that's not nice um but anyway so there's like at, like sort of three guys that you're like all right all of these could potentially be like the one she falls in love with and it's um Jackson that's not right Jefferson Jefferson the- who's the like chubby ginger we referenced there's Wyatt who's like a former football player and he's like described as like muscular and like burly and like very sort of like all american handsome mm-hmm. um and then there's asher mm-hmm. he's the the jewish asian professor he's a jewish agent he's all he's the guy who you always when you're watching your bachelor you're like why are you you're too smart for this yeah, like, why oh and then there's um there's like a cute young guy who's like 24 um and they go yeah, on like sam and date sam so those are the guys that are like, oh, yes. you guys are actually nice. Um, like, don't seem, I mean, as where I am in the book, maybe Carrie knows more, like, don't seem to be, like, seem to be genuinely interested in getting to know her. So yes. Genuinely attracted to her um, and have it. She has sort of like a little tiff with Asher, which makes me think like we were starting it out on They Don't Get Along Right, because he's basically like, why are you here? You seem miserable. Well, and, and she, like, 
her agreement with Lauren is that like she's gonna come do this show and she'll fake it and she'll do whatever the producers tell her to do, but she's not actually gonna like look for love. She's gonna do it like for the purpose. She's still hung of... up on Ray, her best friend who right, right. We have Ray kind of like in the background, um, which I I agree with you. I as I was reading, I was like, if if Ray like fucking if we're supposed to like get on board with Ray, I'm gonna. I knew that. I mean, you know, I'm still reading the book, but I'm almost positive that doesn't happen because he's trying to email her, and when he and she like doesn't have access to her phone because. Uh, she's on a reality show so he finally like texts Marin, her best friend and is like if just, there's just like a way i can get in touch with her and you could be that would be so helpful and the best friend responds she's like you have a lot of fucking nerve absolutely not i will not you're a terrible person and i was like yes yes Marin. Yeah. <laughs> like and i read um, this man is an idiot like what overly confident like you know he's conventionally attractive and like good looking hottie because he thought like i can really get this best like what best friend after tr- would be nice to a guy who treat, treated their friend like that. I was like, this man's a full time. Right. But I mean, if you know anything about The Bachelor, you know a producer's gonna gonna track him down. I um, um I thought again, I thought we were keeping the spoiler free, Carrie. No, Allison, uh, I that is not a spoiler. At this point in the book, I was like, Ray will show up at some point. Yes, there is no I, question. I thought Ray so it <laughs> so the men come out of their like limo or whatever in groups of right. five and then the last one she's like and i've got a surprise for you and i was like raising that last group of five and then he wasn't the last the surprise of the last group of five was that they were all named ben okay, and that i was lost i was I, it, that was so the passage funny. that i sent that i sent to sarah and molly because i was like this is the fucking it's funniest so thing I've funny ever it's read. such let, a good like read it satire it. of the bachelor yeah five men all Wait, named, I, and I they're like at one point they're like it, she's like the ben that's the trainer and she's the ben k that's the trainer then there's a ben z that's a trainer <laughs> like, just... yeah there's he's a personal trainer and a fitness trainer they're different oh yeah one um, of them doesn't like the phrase personal trainer <laughs> okay wait hold on let me find it because it is so okay in this next group johnny lowered his voice dramatically every single one of the men is an astronaut is a nice kind normal dude is a time traveling wizard possessed of the power to make this night be over is named ben what BS? Unsure why this merited mention, let alone a ground pronouncement. Yes, Johnny clapped. Johnny clapped his hands. Meet the five Bens, and so she did. Benji, a Birkenstad, Birkenstad clad kindergarten teacher who brought his guitar and forced B to join him in his class's good morning song on live television. Ben asked <laughs> a personal trainer. Ben K, a personal fitness coach, so like a trainer B had asked, and apparently this was very much the wrong thing to say. Ben Q, a dental student, and finally Ben Z, who at six foot six was known by the group as big ben and whose occupation remained a mystery that is a i think a reference to an actual contestant who was ben z on the same season as ben h and he was like a big like burly guy well they Um, also have that like the usually when the bachelor people come up they'll say their occupation underneath but sometimes it says like like under like alexis waters it was like loves dolphins (laughs) like like they'll have like sometimes it's like do they not have a job and so we just or it or it'll say like there was one guy who like wore a lot of patterns once and they were like likes pattern like it's just it's <laughs> yeah again like that no one works harder than the editors of reality television shows. yes and this also feels like i mean there there were seasons where there were multiple bends but also i swear every bachelor season there's at least like four laurens and you're like which Lauren yes. is this um so that was a hysterical like kind of meta reference moment um, it's all very bachelor meta which 
it's all the like bachelor fanfic which is really kind of fun it did i had like i said i didn't watch last season the bachelor i can't the bachelor is really like i'm struggling with the franchise right now it's it's having some some issues and i'm just it's been a struggle for me to watch and i this very much is like like filled a bachelor void because we get like near the end there's like a live tweet of like who is she gonna pick like which guy is she gonna keep oh she's good. she kept this guy last you know all that i was like this is kind of filling my my bachelor void right now yeah carrie so knows it's where it's gonna go i'm excited to see where it's gonna go yeah and also, and I, like, I mean i will say like at this point i i had questions about like who i suspected who the main romantic interest would be but again it's the bachelor like she's gonna have multiple guys that she's interested in and, and but i did like this is not a spoiler at this point in the book when i was reading i was like ray has got to show Ray's up got because show up. we're talking about a bachelor and like you said the bachelor producers work hard you know like the devil works hard but the bachelor producers work harder and we would not have had that opening like stretch where they sleep together and she still hung up on him if some bachelor producer is not going to track He's him down and show him back in. up but I will riot if 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 he becomes the guy. I do think it's fun to see like how we're going to because the thing at the end of all Bachelor seasons is like, are these two people genuinely in love or is it all a lie? Like it'll be fun to see how she genuinely like is convinced that this guy is, you know, there <laughs> there for the right reasons. Um right. And so like I'm interested in that. I think she's doing the writer, Kate Stamon London, is doing a very good job of like uh writing like a rom-commy novel while also like addressing a sort of like anti-fat bias and like inequity and all that sort of stuff like it like i i think it, mm -hmm. they're married very well um i think probably because there's so much yes. phobia inherently in the bachelor franchise <laughs> that it just um you know begs the question um how would that right. work I remember once when Carrie filled me out for The Bachelor, I lied about my weight because even though, yes, I am a thin woman by literally every standard, I was like, I'm still too fat for The Bachelor. Like, I, I'm, way, I'm way too big for The Bachelor, so we have to knock 30 pounds off my weight or they'll be like, nope. Yeah. I, didn't get any, I didn't get anywhere in the process. But, like, they won't even have, like, a me uh, like I've never seen a woman whose body looks like mine on The Bachelor, let alone a woman who is actually larger. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like the one thing I thought is like, if The Bachelor did this, they wouldn't actually have um, a plus size woman. They would have someone who looks like me and it would be like, they'd have like, it's like how Amy Schumer is like lauded as um, like mm -hmm. a fat comedian when I'm like, Amy Schumer is a size eight, like maybe 10. <laughs> like this is not like, we don't, we're, right. we're not actually we're not actually getting there so no part of me believes the bachelor if they wanted to do this in a season would have an actual plus size woman they just have a size eight woman yeah yeah i will say like the the sort of like heavier weight stigma is really well written but also so is the like rom-com romance yeah. stuff like particularly like her two one-on-one -on -one dates that we get in the third episode um, with Sam, the like sweet younger guy, I think he's supposed to be 24. Um, and Asher, the, the professor, um, are both like super kind of dreamy, romantic, like fantasy-ish kind of dates that are really fun to read. Um, 
and it's fun to start to see like the different guys personalities come through i think the other thing that i that i want to acknowledge is i feel like it would be it's hard it's hard to keep track of the dudes on the bachelorette like when you're watching them and you have visuals of them and so i can't imagine how hard it was to write a book and like be able to like keep those things straight and keep them straight for your reader and Kate Stephen London does a really good job of that. I, she also does a good job of sort of like whittling it down quickly to like the guys we need to care about. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't. They're very. Like, they're, sorry, go ahead. They're well. They're different enough. She her descriptions are fantastic. Um, so it's very. It becomes very easy to like keep track of like who is who and who's important and who do we need to pay attention to and that kind of thing yeah that like she describes them very well they're all like physically different which i think is helpful like why it is a blonde like football player guy there's like the there's like the slightly chubbier ginger like the, like she gives them they're all like well described but then they also mm-hmm. have like clear personalities that helps you keep them all straight right i appreciate yeah i know yeah. like do i have to know more than wyatt sam asher and jefferson luke oh right luke the french guy see like she, yeah she gives one an accent um there's right. two like <laughs> there's two like crappy ones who she's keeping around and you know she's keeping around because the producers are telling her um right. yeah but I yeah i think those are the only ones that like end up being important characters yeah i would highly encourage you to read along with us this is a really fun book it's just it was it was great fun to read um so i highly encourage you to read along with us we also this um as we do these minisodes we're gonna um feature some plus size fashion bloggers on our social media um mostly our instagram um so if you're interested in that follow along if we miss anybody that you think we should include please let us know um where can people find us allison you can find us on instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on twitter at hold underscore up underscore podcast um join us next week when we're talking about girls trip and then we'll go back and we'll talk about the second part of this book the week after um rate review subscribe so you never miss an episode and thank you bye bye